0: Alright, good morning church. Welcome to Community Heights, especially if you are a first time or new-ish person. We hope that you feel very welcome this morning. Uh, my name is Trenton. I am the youth pastor here. I'm covering for Pastor Jeff as he is in a half marathon, I believe. Don't know when it started or how many miles into that thing he is, but we should probably keep him. And Pastor Bowie's doing the, the full marathon. We should probably keep them in our prayers this morning because... uh you probably have to be a little bit crazy to do that many miles. And uh, who knows uh, just how far along um, they will be in there until they realize, yeah, we're crazy and we probably shouldn't have done this. So I'm stepping in for Pastor Jeff this morning. Um, He has been doing a Proverbs series and it's called uh, Spiritual Nutrition or Food for Thought, Spiritual Nutrition. And so Pastor Jeff has been sharing with us Um, a whole lot about wisdom, what it is, how valuable it is, how we should be obtaining it and chasing after it, um, doing all that we can to get it. So I'll be picking up this morning um, with Proverbs chapter four. But I realize that, you know, not everybody knows me or, or a whole lot about me, although I did have um, one person, I can't remember actually who it was. It was during worship, so it was a little bit dark. Um, but they said, hey, it must be winter time because you gave up your shorts. And I said, yeah, it's it is starting to get, get there. So they know me that much, um, which actually this weekend, I was hoping to, uh, for the last weekend probably of this season, take my boys camping. Although really it was just going to be, we're going to pitch the tent in our backyard. My oldest two Um, are five and will be four in December. So five and and almost four. And um, back in September, I got to take them camping for the very first time. And that was really, really special for me because I enjoy camping. I I absolutely love being outdoors, um, being just um, in the midst of all of God's creation, and especially when it's not just in my backyard, or even, I mean, we went to a campsite not too far from here, I believe it was Rock Creek. Um, And so even even not just that, where it's like a man-made campsite, but um, last week, the staff got to go to Estes Park for a retreat together with other workers from our district within the Alliance, and just hiking through the mountains of Colorado, which I, I was born in Colorado, and so that's my favorite place, um, our family joke is that colorado 's the promised land, and we have been wandering in the wilderness ever since two thousand. Um, hopefully maybe God will bring us back there sometime, but um, just being out in the midst of god 's creation, especially in those places up in the mountains untouched by by man and just being able to enjoy all that God has made, is so beautiful to me. I absolutely love that and so I got to go and enjoy a little bit of that over at Rock Creek and take my boys for the first time on their first ex, uh, camping experience. And with that, I also got to do it alongside one of my best friends from high school and from college who now lives close in uh, Urbandale. And so we've grown up together and now he and his family are not too far away. So he brought his oldest son um, and he grew up without a dad. And so my dad was a father-like figure to him. Um, we always joke that he was an adopted brother. And so um, my dad and my one of my brothers came with. And so it was grandpa and then, you know, brothers and then sons. And it was just a really, really cool experience. Um, but really, I wanted to have my dad come along on this trip, because I I could have just done it in the backyard. I could have, you know, it's only 15 minutes away from here, and he lives about, not quite three hours, but about three hours away. So it was was quite a drive for a really, really short turnaround trip for him. Um, But I really wanted him to be a part of it, because he, I don't remember exactly how old he just told me this, um, but I remember exactly how old he was. He was very, very, very young. The first time his father took him, not just camping, backpacking, in the Colorado mountains, in the the Rocky Mountains. Backpacking as like less than a year old. And then he told me uh, while we were camping together that my first time backpacking in the Colorado mountains was when I was six months old. Obviously, I don't remember that. Um, But there's clearly a legacy of campers in my family. Like my grandpa took my dad and my dad took me. And there's been a few times we've been able to go camping, um, Everywhere we could, whether in Nebraska or Iowa, where I grew up, or when we would head back to Colorado, where I'm from and and where we all love to go and and go camping in the mountains. Um, And so for me, it was more about being able to give my father, who gave me the experience of camping, to be able to give him that experience with his grandchildren. And to be able to give his grandchildren the experience of sitting down with Papa to learn You know, how do you put a tent together and um, how do you build a fire? I thought that was going to probably be the coolest thing for them because, you know, fire is mesmerizing and and awesome. Um, And so that was like the big thing was, hey, Papa's going to teach you guys how to build a fire. So go help gather kindling and sticks and and then watch how he puts it together. And and then he's going to teach you through all that. And, And I was just loving that moment, getting to watch them. Uh, do that together, and uh, allow Papa to have that moment with his grandchildren. And now, my boys loved it, which I love, because now I get to go, or I I will get to go, Lord willing, more times with them um, versus if they would have hated it. And then now I'm like, well, I haven't been camping in years. Tried to take my kids, and now I won't be camping a lot more years because they're not a fan of it. So just an amazing, to me, moment in, in my family and in, in my life of getting to spend time with my children, with my father, and um, just experience that legacy um, of camping, which it's a weird legacy. Um, and legacy just means inheritance. So like something that's passed on, something that's intentionally given. Uh, but the reason I want to uh, speak uh, or give you that story to help you know a little bit more about me, what I'm into, what I like, um, some of the things that I get to do with my family or um, just spend um, as, a, as a McNeil, somebody outside of these these walls. But also because Proverbs 4 gives us a little bit of insight into legacy and the importance of legacy, and specifically the importance of legacy when it comes to wisdom. And so uh, before I I talk too much about Proverbs 4, I just want to open it up and read it, and I want God's Word to speak on its own. I want God to be able to just use His Word to speak into our lives this morning before I try to do too much and talk too much. So if you would open up to Proverbs 4 with me, we're just going to read all the way through it. It's not super long, so um, it's 27 verses, but it's like one sentence each verse. That's just how the Proverbs go. Um, Proverbs 4, wisdom. And if there was a title for this morning, uh, a legacy of wisdom or um, the importance of legacy and wisdom— So we're going to see that a little bit as we read through this. Proverbs 4. My children, listen when your father corrects you. Pay attention and learn good judgment, for I am giving you good guidance. Don't turn away from my instructions, for I too was once my father's son, tenderly loved as my mother's only child. My father taught me, take my words to heart, follow my commands, and you will live. Get wisdom, Develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Love her, and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. If you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will place a lovely wreath on your head. She will present you with a beautiful crown. My child, listen to me and do as I say, and you will have a long, good life. I, teach you, I will teach you wisdom's ways. I will lead you in a straight path. When you walk, you won't be held back. When you run, you won't stumble. Take hold of my instructions. Don't let them go. Guard them, for they are the key to life. Don't do as the wicked do. Don't follow the path of evildoers. Don't even think about it. Don't go that way. Turn away and keep moving. For evil people can't sleep until they've done their evil deed for the day. They can't rest until they've caused someone to stumble. They eat the food of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The way of righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, which shines even brighter until the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like total darkness. They have no idea what they're stumbling over. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked keep your feet from following evil. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for uh, how you've preserved it throughout history so that we might be able to hold it in our hands this morning, um, that we might be able to read it and learn from it. I pray that you would teach us this morning. Teach me. Speak through me. May everything that I say honor and glorify you It may be edifying to the body this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's, depending on your translation, uh, depending on exactly what book you are reading or what uh, translation you're reading out of, there's anywhere between six to eight sentences or words or moments within Proverbs 4, eight of them, up to eight, that say, listen, pay attention. Don't forget what I'm saying. So, Church, this morning, may we be listening, paying attention, ready to hear whatever it is God wants to tell us. There's a saying, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing twice, or some people use that with saying, if it's worth saying, it's worth saying twice. Well, eight times, listen up, pay attention. So, there's three observations that I have as I'm reading through Proverbs 4, And the first thing, all of this is about wisdom, right? And and wisdom is not just accumulation of intellect, accumulation of knowledge. Wisdom is really right action based off of right knowledge. So it's not just, hey, learn more things, understand more things. It's actually understand the right stuff and then be motivated out of what is right to do what is right. It's really, wisdom is really about The right way to live in this world. Living well in an unwell world. So as we continue through this whole series and as uh, we're following up from what Pastor Jeff has done the last three weeks, I want you guys to keep in mind really what wisdom is. And the importance of it is not just accumulating knowledge, just gaining as much um, intellect as you can, but really gaining the right knowledge in order to do the right thing. Gaining proper understanding so that we can live rightly. So there's three observations I have about wisdom from Proverbs 4 specifically. And that wisdom must be taught, it must be received, and it must be protected. Taught, received, and protected. So the first observation of of it being taught starts from the very beginning. As it's a father speaking to his children— My children, listen. Listen. And then even more so, um, how I see it being taught as a legacy. Is what I was talking about before. Verse 4, it says, my father taught me. So what's going on in the midst of Proverbs 4 is Solomon talking with his children, with his sons. And it's really cool to see this moment of a father, and whether he's sitting down to talk with them or whatever, maybe this was just a letter he wrote to them, regardless, a father saying, coming together, a family meeting, all right, listen, hear what I'm going to say. So he starts with, listen up, pay attention. And then he immediately goes, because my father taught me. Listen to what I'm going to say just as my father taught me. And then he goes on in verse 11 to say, I will teach you. And so we see that wisdom has to be taught, and it should be being taught in legacy, passed down from generation to generation to generation, and even more specifically within how it's taught, the biggest thing that I take away from this is that it actually starts with parents. There are studies that have been recorded for at least as long as I've been alive, so over the last, not quite, but nearly 30 years. Studies taken, uh, data observed and analyzed and collected by both secular and religious organizations and, um, and survey analysts, all of them point to a very similar thing, if not the same thing. Parents are the number one influence in a child's life. These are surveys and analytics data that is coming, like I said, from people who don't care anything about God, as well as people who are trying to understand from God's perspective what we should do and and how we're living, how we're functioning as a society. And they're saying the same thing. Parents are the number one influence in a child's life. And so I really appreciated the sentiment that Pastor Jeff gave whether it was last week or two weeks ago, I don't know, I've actually, this is, I was gone those last two weeks, but I went back and I was listening to the messages and and one of the weeks, he said something about like, you know, someone told him after the first service, you know, you did pretty good today. Um, I really liked it, but you know, uh, last week was was eh. And so he's saying, that's just kind of how it goes. That's just how it goes as far as opinions, right? And public speaking. And so what he said was, and I love this, he's like, Hopefully you guys came in this morning fully ready to worship, fully ready to surrender yourself to God, just as we just got done singing, and to lay yourself down at his feet regardless of who is up here talking. And hopefully that's the same case today, that you guys are fully ready to worship and surrender yourself to God regardless of the fact that you got to listen to me today. But here's the thing. You're only going to listen to me for, I, I have no idea how long this is going to take. Um, that's not going to mean that it's going to take an hour. Uh, But one day for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, that's not enough. Same thing with your children, especially if, if I have the privilege of being able to spend time with them. 30 minutes of talking at them on a Wednesday and then we break into small groups. Or if it's a week like this where um, I'm doing the speaking on a Sunday, so it's 30 minutes on a Sunday morning, and then if they happen to be a part of FCA at Newton High School, and so they're going to be there tomorrow, uh, where I'm not actually even the main speaker, but I get to be a part of small groups, um, you know, 30 minutes there. And then again on Wednesday, 30 minutes plus small group. There's a lot of time left in the week. And unfortunately, what we tend to do is we say, well, we'll let the professionals or those who are given the the title, we'll let them deal with the issues that we see or the stuff we want them um, to do for our children. Which, here's the thing, I absolutely love what I get to do. Absolutely love it. And I love your children. You guys are the number one influence in their life. That also applies spiritually. So it's not the pastor, it's not whoever's talking on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or whoever this guest speaker might be at FCA. And even though if your children are going to public school or private school and they'll get hours with a teacher or teachers throughout the day, the teachers are not the number one most influential people in children's lives. And even though pastors and teachers And coaches and directors have big, big influences, so I don't want to undermine the influences that external people have on children. It is not coaches. It is not teachers. It is not pastors. It is you, the parents. And that's what we see right here. Legacy starts in the home. Wisdom is taught in the home, should be taught in the home. Parents, you guys are the ones leading the way, paving the way for your children when it comes to wisdom. And one of the problems that we have, which every generation does this to the next generation, every generation looks down on the next generation, is like, man, what happened to them? What is going on with them? How did that happen? And I feel like more often than not, what we do is, we look down at the, the generation that is coming up after us and we're saying, how did you get like that? Why are you doing that? How did that happen? And we don't ever ask the question, what did we do wrong? If we're the ones who are teaching, if we're the ones who are building up that next generation and we don't like what we're seeing, when are we going to stop and say, maybe we should change what we're doing? Maybe I did something wrong. Maybe I should have corrected a while back, and maybe I should correct now, because I think we have to start from a place of humility before we can actually do a good job of teaching and training. And with that, one of the problems that I see, and I see it, you know, I only have one generation below me, and obviously I, I can't speak for the generations above me. But just looking back on history, which that's what we get to do. That's, that's the amazing thing that God has given us. Anything we have for wisdom, there might be special revelation God might give us in the moment because God's word doesn't tell us like, you know, what job I should apply for or what school I should attend or any of those things. Like these, these big questions we might have, there might be special wisdom God will give us throughout our day-to-day life. But there's general wisdom that we are given that is actually from thousands of years ago, that we get to see how people did it wrong and hopefully do it right. But the problem is, children aren't hearing the words of God from the mouths of their parents. Children don't know what God's word says because their parents aren't saying it. Or their parents aren't modeling it in the home. Modeling it as far as living it out and as far as like opening up God's word. And so we have this issue of just general morality, which is really hard to distinguish Jesus in general morality from the rest of the world when the rest of the world says, I'm, I'm not inherently bad, I'm pretty good, I try to be a decent person. And we're supposed to be different, other, set apart for God. But all that is offered is, hey, do the right thing, be a good person. Talk nice. And we don't know why. Or we don't know for what reason. And children aren't hearing the words of God out of the mouths of their parents. And so now there is this issue. And th- this is not just, you know, this generation or what like this has been going on for a long, long time, for thousands of years. And that is why God in His Word said so many times, so many times, thousands of years ago, and still tells us today. Talk about it. Testify to me. Articulate your faith to everybody, to your children. Talk about it. Remember. Bring up. I mean, he told the Israelites in the wilderness so many times, who lived it, who lived being freed from Egypt, who lived watching a cloud of smoke and a, um, a, a cloud of fire guide them day and night throughout the wilderness, who lived parting the Red Sea and walking on dry land, who lived bread coming down from heaven, lived all of that and still turned away from God. And so God said, listen, remember all that I've done. Remember who I am. Remember how I've loved you, how I've saved you. And talk about it and tell your children. Tell your children. And then eventually he establishes this tradition of every single year, tell Your children and tell your children's children. Wisdom should be a legacy passed on from parent to child and eventually from parent to child and eventually from parent to child. It starts in the home, it's taught. You guys are the most influential people in children's lives, in your children's lives. Thankfully, I get to work with your children. Obviously, not every single person in this room, but in general, Community Heights Children. And I am very, very thankful for the wisdom that you guys have been teaching your children. I get to see it firsthand. So I just want to say thank you for living this out. But don't think that because you have done a good job up until today, August or October, whatever it is, 16th, that now you're good. That's not how this works. This is something that is continual, that you must continually be telling and teaching, giving as an inheritance to your children time after time after time, day after day. So my question to you would be, what are you doing daily, daily, for your children to hear God's words? As that's what wisdom is, we, we learn in the very first chapter of Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge. And we know that if knowledge, which motivates us to act, is what wisdom is, then the fear of the Lord is the only way to be wise. Starting with understanding who God is and believing He is who He says He is, that is where wisdom starts. And so what are you guys doing day after day to make sure your children are hearing the words of God through your mouth? And not just living it out, because it needs to also be lived out, not just talked about and then, and then neglected, but also not just lived out and not talked about. Because then we get this, this morality confusion of, well, they're doing the right thing, but what they're hearing is will do the right thing. Why? Because it's the right thing. Then they're confused, well, is the authority and the, the morality is the, um, the way to live just mom and dad? Where did they get it from and why do they do it that way? We have to talk about it, bring it all right back to God's wisdom, God's direction in our life, God's authority over our life. Talk about it, model it. So if you've already got practices for that, keep doing that. Keep it up. Find creative ways even to mix it up and creative ways for your children to actually love God's word. Not just see it as, you know, some book because not all kids like reading. And not all kids like sitting to listen. So be creative. Find out ways for your children who are very specific and unique to love God's Word. Because mom and dad love it. And mom and dad clearly believe it because of the way that they read it, talk about it, and then live. Wisdom is taught. And it starts in the home. The next thing is received. Wisdom has to be received. This is a two-way street, right? Nearly eight times it says, listen and pay attention. Don't forget. So what happens if the wisdom that is trying to be taught or that is trying to be given as an inheritance um, is forgotten? It's useless. What happens if we are saying, do these things, and we're living out doing the things we're trying to honor God and, and follow Him and obey Him. But then when we pass it on, the ball's dropped. There is nothing worthwhile about memorizing this entire thing or even giving it, trying to give it to somebody, if they're just gonna push it to push it to the side. And so this is not just about parents. And the older generations, this is about all of us as we all have lived under the authority of of somebody, whether that was father, mother, adopted, or uh, fostered, or um, somewhere in between. It's for all of us to remember that we must receive. And so that's why there's this continuation of don't just think that you've done a good job and so, yay, congratulations, you're done because it also still continues, continues with you to receive. And it also is for all of you who are um, children to parents who are still trying to teach you. Receive. Right? A, a receiver in football cannot catch a pass that is not thrown. But what happens if when it is thrown, they aren't looking? Or when it is thrown, they just swat it to, to the ground? It's a worthless play the ball, which is the most important thing in football, that's what scores, is now lying on the ground, worthless. So we must all be receiving. We must all, guys, right, it's a two-way street. It's not just give. You must also receive. And so you are commanded to continually receive wisdom from God. I also had someone just tell me right before this, he saw that I was wearing the, the head mic and he goes, oh, you're, you're on for today. I was like, yeah, that's right. He goes, I'll pray that God gives you wisdom and I really, really appreciated that because I am not preaching this morning from God's word because I have it all figured out or because I am perfectly wise. I continually need wisdom. I continually need to receive whatever it is God might have for me. And I believe that as it starts in the home, With teaching, it also starts in the home with receiving. Our children must see us hearing other people speak into our lives or just reading God's word. They must see us receive God's word so that they know what it looks like. And the next generations must be receiving God's word in order for it to ever even matter. So, wisdom is something that is taught and it starts in the home, but it also must be received. But I think the most important thing out of all of this is that it must be protected, which is the third observation. Just like a receiver cannot catch a ball that is not thrown, also, once that ball is thrown and received, they must protect it. They must hold on to it. And that's what we are told multiple times hold on to what I am saying, do not forget what I am saying, hold on to wisdom. or in verse 23 above all else depending on your translation above all else guard your heart but this guard your heart it's not from the perspective of your just just your emotions of protect your yourself because otherwise you might get hurt otherwise you know you might be betrayed so don't, don't let yourself out too much or otherwise people might hurt you. Well, the problem is everybody will hurt you at some point. So that's no way to live. And I believe as we're reading through all of this and that's near the end of this chapter, we're hearing, listen to wisdom, obtain wisdom, follow in the way of wisdom, gain it, gain it, gain it. If we know wisdom is not just intellect, but it's also motivation. And it's motivation to live based off of the intellect. Then when he says, above all else, guard your heart, I believe what Solomon was telling his children was, above all else, hold on to and protect, guard that which God has instilled in your heart. The wisdom and knowledge and insight and truth that has been passed on to you, guard it, protect it. And the problem is that, I mean, we, we protect everything in our life, right? When we leave home, probably you did it this morning, you locked your doors. Or when you left that parking lot and you came into here, you you locked your car doors. And we're trying to protect all of our valuables, all of our beings. And, And parents live every day in fear because they want their children to be protected. And so we do all that we can in order for our children to be protected. But we're not holding fast to and we're not protecting. We're not guarding the wisdom God is trying to give us. We might hear it for 30 minutes on a Sunday morning and then walk out of here empty-handed and empty-hearted. We might read it real quick in the morning to start our day, and then as soon as we get to work, we've already forgotten everything we just read about, all that God might have been trying to teach us that morning. We don't do a good job holding tight to, protecting, guarding the wisdom of God. And whenever that happens, then the wisdom of God gets confused with the wisdom of this world. When we're not holding fast to the truth that is God's word, then any other word that might come in to our heart and our mind muddies the water. And sometimes, unfortunately, this happens because of our life experiences. We know God's word says something, right? But then we're living our day-to-day lives and we're interacting with people who don't believe in God's word, but man, they sure know how to love, or it seems like it. They sure seem really, really selfless. They seem like great people, but they don't care about what God's word has to say and they live against what God's word is saying. How can those two things happen at the same time? And we get confused about what it is God's word is saying. And then we fall right back into that confusion of morality. Because they're seemingly morally good or morally good by the world's standards, then maybe there's something that God might have gotten a little bit wrong. Or maybe it's just cultural from 3,000 years ago and man, we've changed since then. But the problem is we're not letting God's word be fully authoritative in our lives. We're not letting God's word be the main thing speaking into our lives. We're letting our experiences in life be more authoritative than the God who created life. And so we're not protecting the truth and the wisdom of God's word. And now we're mixing it up with what seems to be wisdom from the world, other knowledge and insight, philosophies and ideologies. We must protect the wisdom that God is giving us. We must guard it. If we believe it to be true, then we should be living according to it and it alone. Because if we don't guard the wisdom of God in our life and in our heart, then we will let falsehood, false ideologies, things that aren't true, start to intermix and even push out the truth of God. Wisdom must be taught. Wisdom must be received. Wisdom must be protected. Now hold on to all that God has given you hold on to the wisdom that he has taught you, that he has passed on down to you. For wisdom, we hear it tons of times. I was going to give a number, but it was going to be an exaggeration like a million times. But the reality is, multiple times within every single chapter of Proverbs, we hear about just how valuable wisdom is. If we believe that, then we will be doing what is necessary to obtain it, just like Pastor Jeff talked about last week or two weeks ago. And we will fight for wisdom, but we also must protect it and teach it to our next generation. For when we lose wisdom, for when we lose the knowledge of God, we lose our way. And that's what verse 23 says Guard your heart above all else, basically summarizing all of it, above everything else, guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. When we lose God's wisdom, we lose our way. But the only thing that makes any of this possible, the only thing that makes any of this matter, because you might be asking the question, like, why would I care about what God has to say? Or maybe you're asking the question, well, what about those who don't have believers as parents? That's why I praise God for the gospel. For when we know that the the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, that's how we know that it could only come from God. And so it is the gospel which transforms our hearts. Understanding we come from a position that is sinful and far away from God, distant. But he made a way for us to be able to come into a position of nearness and closeness relationship with him, and be seen as righteous. And he did that through Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, a real person who walked this earth and lived a perfect life, a real human, well-documented throughout history, who also was the God of the universe, who came and died for us. This wisdom we are receiving is not just from some general spiritual higher being, It is an intimate, personal God of the universe who cares about us, who cares about a relationship with us. And if we don't start from that position, we're not going to care about wisdom from God. The gospel is the only thing that transforms our hearts and helps us know what wisdom is. And on top of that is the fact that Jesus is our redeemer that allows the orphans to find a father— Jesus brought us into a relationship with our Heavenly Father. So it doesn't matter who your parental figure was on this earth, who they are right now. That is not more important than who your Heavenly Father is. And so maybe you get to be the one who starts the legacy, which is one of my favorite things about. My best friend from high school and college, who grew up without a father, and does not have a Christian parent, a Christian mother or grandma. A general understanding of God maybe, but not ones who are surrendered to who Jesus is. But he has been impacted by the gospel. And he gets to start a new legacy only through Christ. So maybe that's you this morning. You might have grown up without parents who believe in Jesus. Or maybe you're growing up with parents who believe in Jesus, but they're just not doing a good job helping you understand who God is and how much he loves you. Maybe they act, right, but they're not teaching you why they act that way and you get to start a brand new legacy of passing on wisdom, a brand new legacy of living for God, living for Jesus, and articulating your faith to others. So whether you are the first link on the chain or well down the chain of legacy, chase after wisdom, teach wisdom, Receive wisdom and protect it. Guard your heart above all else. Guard the wisdom God has given you. And may others come to know Christ because of you. Or may you come to know Christ this morning. May you know that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. You've been living your own way, thinking you are wise by yourself. May God transform your heart and your mind, and may you experience the love and forgiveness and grace of God and live in his wisdom. Let's pray. God, thank you so much, again, for who you are and all that you do. Thank you for giving me the opportunity this morning to talk about wisdom, to get to read your word in front of these people. I pray that your word would speak louder than any of mine. And God, I pray that we would all chase after the wisdom that you have for us by chasing after you. Lord, may children hear your words out of the mouths of their parents. May my children hear your words out of my mouth. May the next generation grow up knowing who you are because of how you are working in and through the generations right now to walk in your ways, to know you and love you. Lord, if there's anybody in here this morning who doesn't know you, who hasn't experienced the free gift of salvation, I pray that this morning the Holy Spirit would work in their heart to help them know there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ and that you died to pay the price for their sin and that you love them and you want a relationship with them and you want for them to understand who you are and walk in your wisdom. God, help us to protect all that you've given us. Help us to guard it And may you make our paths straight. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.